Once I was traveling with dear friend to a certain place to be away from a most troubled context, reflecting on the significance and the puzzling circumstances of things. At the time, I and my company could only identify discouragement and unbelief. Then we met someone on the road, a stranger to us. Somehow we caught up and chatted. And rather unusual to my introvert's inclination, I actually expressed some of my profound discouragement. At the long faith journey in Christ, in a ladle of hopes of how the kingdom of God may manifest, and me as a believer in Christ, together with my fellow believers in the city, could be part of this. Yes, the circumstances and happenings seemingly dashed all such hopes. Well, I least expected that this gentleman responded by rebuking us for our hardness of heart. He even pointed us to the Bible concerning the manifestation of the kingdom. We did another extraordinary thing. We invited him to join us for dinner, and there was a great time of fellowship. Then he dawned on us, well, that this person is no stranger. We used to know him. That's why our hearts burned, even as we share bread and the cries of our hearts. Somehow we find renewed hope and actually decided to call off our departure and return to where we came from because we find new hope, new purposes. You may by now guess this stranger's name is Jesus. Luke chapter 24 recorded for us the account of two disciples going down the road to Emmaus. Cleopas and his company represent the discouragement and unbelief of Jesus' followers. When they met Jesus on the road, his identity was somehow hidden from them, and they expressed their profound disappointment at the tragic events in the city of Jerusalem. They had hoped that he might be the Messiah who would redeem Israel. Yet his death on the cross dashed all such hopes. Jesus responded by rebuking them for their hardness of heart. Did not the scriptures predict the suffering of the Messiah? Even though now equipped with the truths of the scripture, the disciples did not recognize Jesus until they invited him into fellowship around the dining table. Jesus broke bread. Jesus communed with them. And now they recognize Jesus. Jesus disappeared from their presence and they joyfully returned to Jerusalem to report their experience. There they find the other disciples announcing the same good news. Jesus is indeed a rise. I'm thankful for Andrew's invitation to share something from my heart. Please take me as a fellow brother in this congregation and from the internet. I'm hopeful what is laid in my heart also finds resonance in you. What I want to share from the scripture today is about my own reflections in church life and how we can best express it. It just happens that I have only attended three churches in my lifetime. Ten years in a very local, traditional Chinese church. And ten years 
in the Assemblies of God Church in Singapore. And of course, 14 years here in the Vine. We got a bit more involved in church life as we participated in the first Chinese Alpha some 10 years ago. I want to reflect some of, the, some of my the concerns and my faith commitments. Rooted, reach out, and renewal. Let's return to the Bible first. For Luke's readers, including us, basically this is a call to come out of the fog of disappointment that these two disciples left into, and instead dare to believe the promises of his word as we fellowship with Christ. Interestingly, there's an epilogue to this event. Jesus appeared again and fellowship with his disciples over the dining table in Jerusalem. Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me. And he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. You are witnesses to all these things, and you will be clothed with power from high above. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit's empowerment. And Jesus reveals himself while in table fellowship with his disciples. He is indeed at home in our midst, in our everyday activity. So how shall we apply all these scriptures into our life? What is my cry of the heart for my fellow brothers and sisters here in the vine? So I've mentioned the three hours. To be rooted deeply in his word, to reach out with fervor, and that is the mandate, and to renew our hearts, be connected with him. During the early days, while we were still dating, and of course we are still dating, I loved writing letters to my then girlfriend and now my wife, Vivian. Yes, love letters, so that I might express my love for her in writing. When we had a committed relationship, I actually gave her my diary. I was open to her, and my story was passed on to her in writing. I would hope that she would read my love letters in my diary time and again, so that she would know me and she would know my love for her. With some degree of similarity, God conveyed his love message to us in writing, so that we can read time and again. So David, the psalmist, encouraged us, I'll hide your word in my heart that I would not sin against you. The biblical sense of knowing is actually to have an intimate relationship. It is just inconsistent if we say we want to know his plan for our lives, and yet somehow we remain complacent in trying and getting to know him. That yearning to know him more could differ depending on your own unique situation. I'm encouraged to know that many fellow brothers and sisters are committed to studies offered by, say, for example, the Bible Study Fellowship or other Bible study groups in your own community groups. But on the other hand, I'm sometimes frustrated that some of us hardly make an effort to allow his word to speak to us on a daily basis. 
Anyway, for me, at the age of 50, I did enroll for seminary studies as I desired to know him more. Yet, one of my greatest understanding of his work is when my own circumstances become so conflicting. The time point was at the second year of my five-year part-time study program. I was enthusiastic to be equipped for service. It was then that I was diagnosed with leukemia, a blood cancer. I struggled to reconcile the disruption to my plan of serving him through my second half of my life. And studying to know God's word become almost like a disillusion. What is the point of knowing him more when ultimately we shall know him in perfection? For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see him face to face. There is a dilemma. So much needs to be done. So many need to be served. And so much relationship to be treasured. And so day to time. It was at this point that his word brings clarity. There's new light as I read. For to me, to live is Christ. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Somehow I find comfort that he knows best. There's a perfect timing in his plans. And by knowing him more, I actually learn to trust him more. I actually decided to bite the bullets and carried on with my studies and my own clinical practice. And at the same time, went through my chemotherapy treatment, which was spread over two years. Today, I'm glad to report that I've graduated from the seminary. And I have finished my treatment. Now, you don't have to go through seminary or chemotherapy to help you make a tough choice whether to study his word. You just need to make a commitment and do it. That daily application of God's word in our ordinary lives is exactly what God desires for all of us in the secular world. How about you? Knowing God's word through diligent studies will anchor you to face whatever lies ahead of you. It can be COVID, it can be losing a job, a relationship, or even a loved one. But his word will help us navigate the worst moments in life. Isn't that good news? Our knowing him should actually find a way of expressing through testifying. When we know him, we naturally want to share the good news. On the road to Emmaus, the two despondent disciples were revived and they were given new purposes in life. They were summoned to bear witness for the resurrection. By the way, the Greek word to bear testimony is the same as to be martyrs. Well, we can at least imagine the seriousness of the mandate to bear testimony, weakness for Christ. Well, lest we get too nervous about sharing, let's remember the Holy Spirit 
is always there. He dwells in us to help us make sense of our testimony. Around the world, that testimony is shared one message at a time. It can be shared by a missionary or by a preacher. But it can also be by a housewife with his neighbor, by a business person with his colleague, and for the 11 o'clock service with a lot of families. It can be by a father or mother with his precious son or daughter, or even by a child with his beloved parent or grandparent. Testifying can come in moments of joy or despair, or even at death's door. I was probably like one of any one of you, considering that sharing the gospel just an option and not something to be pursued for fear of rejection. Many years back, while I was practicing in Singapore, in the line of work, I came across this young man with very aggressive cancer. As his disease progressed, I actually contemplated to share the gospel with him. That opportunity never came. He left into a coma. By then, nothing very much could be offered medically. But I did offer to the devastated wife well, that maybe I could connect her to a pastor from the church to pray for her husband and maybe for the family. It was a Sunday. Everyone else had their own commitments. And to my disbelief, my pastor challenged me to be the one to share the gospel with her and to pray for the man. I felt so inadequate, so unprepared, so lacking in faith, and so clumsy in my Mandarin. By asking my wife to come along, we did share the gospel and prayed with her, and we led her to Christ. This encounter had a tremendous impact on how I view myself as that person chosen at the right time to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, like any one of you, to be the right person at the right time, at the right place, to share a testimony. Once that commitment was made, doors just opened. I had this encounter with a lady who scolded me so badly about my care for his father's cancer. We only find out that subsequently, we were from the same church. Well, it happens for a big church with more than 3,000 members. And I could understand that she was really stressed by his diagnosis. Anyway, along the way, we actually worked together and led his father to Christ. And even community groups can come together to be a blessing. A lady was stuck in the hospital for months. My group, my home group came around visit her in the hospital, reached out for her family with four young kids, and even brought her out to Riscalton to celebrate her birthday. She used to be a Buddhist, but she found tremendous joy in knowing Christ before she departed. We should just seize the opportunities once we are prompted by the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful to be brought up in a church culture where testifying Sharing the gospel anywhere, anytime, to anyone is just natural. We just embrace that simple commitment to share the gospel 
and bring one person to Christ every year. There was also a rich Pentecostal heritage. We just believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Where doors are seemingly closed, it can be open. We can take down spiritual strongholds. We can speak prophetically when we hear from God. And we can bring hope where there seems to be no hope. An invitation is all that really matters. It is not so much because death is looming. Rather, it is an invitation to new life. My late parents came to know the Lord when they are in their late 70s. Someone visited them week after week, drive them to church while they were stuck in Toronto with no means of transportation and no social life. My wife came to know the Lord as some stranger housewife befriended her in the swimming pool where all the moms took the kids to learn to swim. She experienced the work of the Holy Spirit the very first time she stepped into the church. She was just stirred to weep even though she never cried in adulthood. Indeed, the church is not a member's club for believers, but a place whereby seekers should be welcomed and embraced. Could this church do that? I am eternally grateful for the different ones who invited me and my family to know the Lord. I want to be the one who invites someone to receive that eternal blessing. So my encouragement, be upfront in sharing your faith. Don't be an undercover agent. Be ready. You should not be surprised when your colleague comes forth to ask for your counsel and your prayers. Be intentional to build relationship. Be authentic in caring. Invite a friend to Chinese Alpha, even though you may not be a Chinese speaker. We do our best. God will do the rest. Embrace your work. That is the most powerful testimony in the workplace. So far, I've shared about rootedness in his word, as in the head. Reaching out to testify, as in the hand. I wonder whether you notice that between the knowing and the doing, there's still something missing. The heart matter. And probably for many of us, the most difficult is the transformation of the heart. The Emmaus encounter reminded us that Jesus spends time with the disciples who were so disappointed, disillusioned. And yet, we witnessed that there's a major reversal of emotion, transforming despair into hope and action. All is not lost. The resurrected Jesus is in the midst of us right now, even when we are not aware. All it takes is our willingness to have our hearts transformed. The journey of the heart, despite the short distance from the head, is just not easy for many of us. My wife is heavily involved in prayer ministry and in inner healing. She often asks me, how do you feel? I would rather she ask, what do you think? What shall we do? Well, of course, I knew 
some of the dark side from my own childhood. It was very difficult economically in the 60s. My wife conceived uh, my, my mom. I always say my wife, sorry. <laughs> my mom. I loved my wife as much as I loved my mom. <laughs> anyway, in the 60s, so you can guess my age. Um, my 60s, in the 60s, my, my mom conceived me, and she was then at the age of 40. And somehow, as she anticipated a lot of hardship ahead, she actually tried, and she tried very hard to abort me. Well, by God's grace, I do not have too many physical or mental defects, <laughs> as far as I know. Yeah, but surely there were a lot of racial defects from those emotional trauma while still inside the womb. She was in great distress, and to some extent, she passed on a lot of those fears and pessimistic outlook into my own life. She went through her own transformation as she subsequently managed to share this openly with myself. In turn, I need my own renewal of heart to change my generally negative outlook in life. In my own practice, I used um, to spend a lot of time on organ transplantation. It is often and never taken, it is not often, and really we should never take it for granted that organs become available. Someone needs to be willing to give. And the dilemma for heart transplant is even more intense. Someone needs to die to make a heart available for a person in need. But Jesus has already died that death, and he's ready to give that new heart to us. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It would then be up to us to receive that gift from our donor, Jesus. If there's a moment that I literally cried from my heart, that was five years ago, when I wept, I cried, or even yelled. So much so that my wife, who was sound asleep at three o'clock in the morning in the upper room, heard my cry and rushed to comfort me. I was in great despair when I read through the medical literature to find out that the predicted median survival, the years to live for my type of leukemia, would be eight years. I did not go down a literal road to Emmaus, but I was distraught. My wife, my wife came around to keep me company. Then somehow, unknowingly, Jesus, a stranger to me, since I hardly recognized him, Jesus also came along. He helped me to know how foolish I was and how slow of heart to believe in all that he has spoken. 
but most significantly, he embraced us. The three of us had a time of fellowship with prayers and commitments. My heart was transformed, like the completion of a heart transplant surgery. It was pumping again. So allow your heart to cry. Cry out to Jesus. Cry out to your loved ones. And my desire for this church community is such that we find trusted fellow brothers and sisters whom we can cry out to, to journey together, and to receive healing together. The disciples were once so discouraged, now become a community of believers with transformed hearts, coming together to testify his goodness while welcoming others. In fact, every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So my encouragement is be committed to a community. Invite your pre-believer friends to your community to share the goodness of Christ. And for yourself, be open to inner healing and prayer ministry. Begin your own journey of the heart today. As we draw this sharing to a close, hear the cry of my heart for this congregation. Let us be committed to be rooted in his word. Be passionate in testifying and to continue our journey of the heart. I do want to have a chance for all of us to respond to this message. Can I invite the band? And I also invite all of you to stand with us. There will be some of you who want to renew your commitment to know him through diligent studies so that you can trust him more. Come, make that commitment today. You will hear him speaking to you through his word. Some of you are stirred. You want to be that good friend who invites his friend to come to know Jesus. Be bold to ask today for the privilege to be that right person at the right place at the right time for that person you love. And some of you are crying from your heart. You yearn for a renewal, but you don't know where to start. Come, have fellowship with Christ. The altar is open. Our prayer team wants to partner with you, to pray alongside with you, to voice out, to shout out to the Lord your commitments to be rooted, to reach out and to renew. So this is a time for you to come forth, to open your hearts and to stop false, to be prayerful in the community of believers. Even in the upper house, 
our pastoral staff is ready to pray with whoever who wants to have someone to pray alongside. Come. For some of you who already made that commitment, I want also that you can invite someone standing next to you as long as you are comfortable. You may not even know that person. But yes, you invite him to pray with you so that you would be the one who invites someone to Jesus. You can also invite yourself to come and meet up with Jesus. So spend that time. Ask the one standing next to you. Commit in prayers that you will indeed, you will indeed invite someone to Jesus. And that someone can also be yourself. Okay? Shall we go for a time of prayer? mutual ministry, pray with each other, and we spend good time praying with and praying for each other.